Lord, we want revival. Not just for this church and every church, but each and every one of us. That's where it starts, Lord. It starts with me. Lord, you can even start in this little church, Lord. Bring revival to a great country called America and even into the world. Lord, you've done it before, as we just sang, and you will, can do it again. We know that you will. Lord, send revival to each of our hearts. Let us see with our eyes, understand with, with our heart, and hear with our ears what it is that you have to say to the church today. Lord God, we want revival in each and every one of us, Lord, for you. Revival to worship you. The revival to turn away from our sins. The revival to confess everyone before everyone before you. To have forgiveness for those that offended us. Or to confess unconfessed sin before you. So that you can move in our hearts. Lord, you sent revival before and you can do it again. And we're looking forward to it. I like what Isaiah says in Psalm 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Lord, that you would tear open the sky. And the world would know that you... We know that's going to happen someday. We thank you for that. Open our hearts today, Lord, to hear and understand with our ears what you have to say to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. For those of you who just tuned in, you may be seated. For those of you who just tuned in, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We're in, in Palm Beach, Florida. You know, we're on High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. So if you're local, come on by. We're just a small Bible-believing church. We believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe the Word of God is inerrant. You know, we believe that you must be born again in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Twice and through two verses, he said it. Peter talks about it. We see people born again all through the New Testament. You know, and all through the Old Testament. I did a study on that one time. I showed you people that got saved and came to know God in the Old Testament. And they were born again spiritually. Because the Spirit came upon them. They heard, they understand. And they went out and served God. Even, even uh, Gentiles. It's amazing. Listen, if you're out there today, you know, open up your hearts and understand. Well, listen, Freedom Church, since you're online, our website, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org, you can find out our list of ministries, you can find out our services, you can hear messages from uh, years back, you can find our address, you can even donate online should the Lord, should the Lord lead you. So um, come on by um, next Sunday if you're local, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo. So come on by. If you still, if you're up north or scattered around the country or even even another, in another country, you know what? You, we'll, we'll be here next week at the same time. So come on back and uh, hear the gospel. Um, 
for those of you here, you know, I, I, well, I already told you that. There's the Gospels of John in the front seat, you know, before you. Take them home. They're also in the back in a bigger version. Please take them home or give it to somebody. You'll be surprised. I remember people telling me, I give tracts out all the time and nobody ever reads them. And I said, I, I disagree with that. Believe me, when they're in the, the, the bathroom, you know, when they're in their car sitting at a red light, they read them. They read them. I know a lot of you got saved probably or, or your hearts were opened and as a track was presented before you. It's happened to me. I know it's happened to many people here. You know, God speaks in his word. So, so um, just uh, preach his word. You know what? You don't have to say the King James Version and quote the verse. You can just say, God so loved the word, he gave you his only son. If you believe in him, you won't have to perish. You know, you can just say it like that. They won't even, a lot of people won't even know you're talking scripture. But it's a scripture that pulls down the strongholds in people's lives. So uh, use scripture. You're going to learn that here at Freedom Church. I'm a Bible teacher, you know, and a preacher, but mostly I try to teach when we try to dig deep in the word of God. So if you're local men, Saturday mornings, 9 o'clock, we have a Bible study here. Uh, so come on by. It's a great time. Um, and would love to have you. Uh, for those of you online, if you give, let me know. Uh, and send a note with it and say, you know, I'll send you this book that I wrote um, free of charge for anyone who gives. Listen, to this morning, we have a special speaker, and I'm going to have him come up here. But first, I'm going to have uh, Brett introduce him. You know Brett. He's been here many times. Um, he just got back from India preaching the gospel. He's going to touch up on that, and I'm going to let him introduce Ryan from Australia. All right. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you guys doing this morning? I uh, just did return from travels. I think I just finally got over my jet lag. I got Matt up here with me. Um, I want to give a couple, just lay a little foundation for today. I'm going to introduce Ryan and Isabella in a few minutes. I don't want to take too much time. But I do want to, I asked Pastor Joe permission to give a quick report on how the gospel went forth in India, and then kind of I'll bring you guys into what Ryan and Isabella are here to share. So Matt's up here with me because, you know, I want to kind of remind you guys that we have a ministry. You know, I founded, I'm the founder, but Matt really and my wife, we founded this ministry together called the Great Harvest Ministries. And this was way back when we were living in Brazil five, six years ago. You know, preaching the gospel, planting churches, doing missions work. You guys know the whole story. Most of you know. And Pastor Joe came down there with a the team. But during that time, the Lord was giving us vision, a greater vision to reach more people and to basically just multiply and do more of what we were doing in Brazil to the nations. And, you know, one man, I met a guy. It, it just came to me. I'll just share it in 10 seconds here, this story. But I met a guy who... He was a little older than me, and he had never done missions before, and he was getting all kind of funding. And I was a missionary on the field for years, and I'm planting churches, and I'm doing like mini crusades, and I got no money. And I sat down with this guy, and I'm like, all right, Lord, he's got some wisdom I don't have. Like, how is he raising funds? And I can't get a penny sometimes, you know? So I sit down with this guy, and I said, listen, man, please share with me, you know, how you're doing this. And he goes, he just, he talked to me for a few minutes. And he was a much older guy than me, and he looked at me, and he gave me some real wisdom. And he said, Brett, you don't lack passion. You're very passionate for the Lord. You love the Lord. You're, 
you're preaching the gospel. He goes, you lack vision. You lack vision, okay? And I was like, man, what are you talking about? You know, I didn't want to receive it at first, but then I thought through that. See, because where there's provision is really just God providing for vision, right? That's all provision is. God will provide for vision. So I prayed through that, and that's where the Great Harvest Ministries was birthed. I began to seek the Lord for vision, for greater clarity of what, you know, season he's calling us to, what ministry, he, how does he really want us to do ministry with strategy? You know, God didn't just send the children of Israel into the promised land to just do whatever, right? He gave them specific instruction and strategy how to take that land. And so we've been on that journey a long time. That's a big part of what Ryan and Isabella are here to do today, is share with you guys the vision and strategy the Lord's given us. So I'm already ahead of myself, but let me jump back. So Matt's here with me. And the Great Harvest Ministry, I just want to again thank you guys for all of you participating. Whether you realize it or not, you know, the missions offerings at this church pretty much come to directly to Great Harvest Ministry, okay? And we take every penny of that. I work right now for a living. I say like this. I swing the hammer, the, the, the physical hammer in one hand and the gospel hammer in the other. Like the Apostle Paul, he worked during the day, he preached at night. So none of your money goes to my needs. None of your donations go to me and Matt going to eat steak at the steakhouse. Or me and Matt going to have these, like, you know, board meetings. We don't use any money for any of that. Every dollar you give the great harvest, it literally goes to preach the gospel and reach people in the harvest. So let me go on to India and... Uh, we just went, uh, it was just me and a friend of mine named David Erson. He's a great evangelist, but we were in India. Uh, we got, he got, he gave me the call, the invitation a few months ago to go with him. And I had been praying about Asia. If you know me and Matt, the, 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 one of the first things Matt felt when he got saved was he was supposed to go to India and preach the gospel. Remember that, Matt? He actually told me that. And so we've been praying into Asia for years, and we got this door, this opportunity opened and long story short, uh, David Erson, he does crusades in India for quite some time. And he called me, said, man, you want to come with me and preach the gospel in India? I said, sure, man, but we're, we're really tight on, we're strapped on funds. You know, we're focused on Brazil right now. We're doing a big crusade in Brazil next year. And that's what Ryan's going to share about. So I told him, look, if I can come and not bring too much money, I'm willing to join you because I can't, you know, take away from what we're doing in Brazil right now. So he invited me. He allowed me to come with basically no money. I, I took very limited funds with me. And he actually has been working with a crusade director there for some years. So this, this crusade, understand, this was about uh, David Erson's maybe fifth or sixth crusade in India, okay? It ended up becoming his largest, the largest crusade we've done there, he's done there. In India is one of the most unreached countries in the entire world guys just understand it's it's the largest populated country in the whole world right now it just passed china okay there's 1.3 or 1.4 billion people and you know how many are christian two percent just just process that for one second today's just a vision day we need vision church amen we need to see what god sees when he looks on this earth he sees india one point something billion people and they're lost totally lost right 
the the country itself is one of the most unreached countries, one of the most dangerous countries, and the city we went to is even more unreached. The churches there had never done an outreach there. The the crusade directors never done any work out there, and so we went there. I don't have pictures or videos yet because I just got back, but we went there. And long story short, um, every single night we saw hundreds and thousands of Hindus, radical Hindus, Muslims, just unbelievers getting healed, getting set free and saved by the power of God. Amen. Every single night, guys. And we had, we had rented these tuk-tuks. You guys ever seen those tuk-tuks, those little cars? They're, little, they're like little go-karts, basically, but they're kind of round. We were paying the pastors. This is what we take our money and do, guys. We were paying the local pastors and village leaders to rent a tuk-tuk to go pick up people from their villages and bring them to this crusade. The first night, we had about 100 tuk-tuks. The second and third night, we had 150 tuk-tuks. And then the last night, we rented 200-plus tuk-tuks and there was so many, there was around 15, we estimated 15 to 20,000 people total that we reached with the gospel in India, guys. Every single night. And glory to God, we saw literally every night demons just manifesting. We weren't even touching them. People were just getting set free of devils. You know, people getting healed. There was a lot of threats, so they were very afraid to come on the stage, and usually we have them testify how they were healed, but they were getting touched by God. I mean, you would see people just, we were preaching, and people were just falling over under the power of God, just like the book of Acts when Peter preached. And it is often we see these miracles a little more in, you know, these unreached countries, right? But I, I want to say something to you guys. You know, it was so glorious. It was so wonderful. And we saw a harvest, right? I want you guys to understand what you're going to hear today from all of us. We're in a harvest season, guys. We're in a harvest season, amen? And we have to understand the time and the season in which the church is in right now. I really believe when Christ came, the first coming, it was a harvest time, amen? He was bringing in people, Samaritans, Gentiles. The, the disciples didn't understand it. He said, look... You say in four months the harvest comes. He say, I say, look up now. The harvest is ripe now. And I really believe when the second coming is approaching, and it is, amen, we can all see the second coming getting closer. I really believe we're entering that final season of harvest. Just as the first coming had a harvest, so does the second. And there was something David said, the preacher, the evangelist, that really stuck with me. I know we look at our nation we see all these problems. We see all these crazy things happening. And we hear these stories of what God's doing in India and Asia and all these other countries. And we wonder, what, what's going on? Well, David said something that stuck with me so much. He said, he was preaching, but he said, you know, one man came to him and said, I don't even, you know, all this blood of Jesus and power of Jesus. He goes, that doesn't work anymore today, brother. It's, it's 2020 something. You see our world? It doesn't work anymore. And then he said, you know, let me ask you this. Why is there so many dirty people on the earth? And I thought about that for a second. I was like, that's interesting. And he goes, you know, there's a lot of stinky, dirty people walking around, isn't there? They don't got, their, their armpits stink. They haven't took... He goes, you know how much soap, there's enough soap on earth 
to clean them all. But the problem is, you got to take a bath, amen? You got to take the soap and do something with it and put it where it needs to go, amen? It's the same thing with the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood was shed for the whole world, but we have to take it and apply it to our lives. You know why there's so many demoniacs running around and maniacs and people sick and people in the body of Christ still in sin and people still not set free? And why America is so messed up? It's because we're removing the blood of Jesus and the power of Jesus from our lives. No more God. No more blood of Jesus. If you don't take the soap and apply it, there's going to be no effect. Amen? So, so I just want to encourage you guys. You've been given the heavenly bar of soap. You, as the church, have been given the heavenly bar of soap. We've been given the grace of God, the gospel, to go out and wash people's souls with it. They don't even know, you know, they don't know they're dirty. They don't, and if they understand they're sinners and they're dirty, they don't know how to get washed. Amen? And we have this opportunity to go out and witness to them. So I want to transition to this announcement now with Ryan. Can Ryan and Isabella come up? So real quick, before I pass the mic, I want you guys to mark on your calendar, okay? I'm making an announcement. I want you guys to mark on your calendar. It's going to be June 17th. Is that the day, the IBM, the breakfast? So we, we um, I brought us all up kind of as a team because, you know, Great Harvest Ministry, it's basically, like I said, for years, it's been me, my wife, and Matt. And right now, we have brought, our team is growing and multiplying. And we have brought on board, these are like basically, Ryan and Isabella are like the crusade directors. And this guy is a visionary. This guy's a missionary. Him and his wife, they're sold out. I've seen this man just be raised up in the Lord. He's sold out for the Lord. He's, a, he's on fire for the Lord. He's an evangelist. But he's more of like an apostolic visionary more than anything. This guy's going to open your, get ready to open your brains a little bit today in your hearts. But I want to invite you guys, before I forget and pass the mic here, on June 17th, please mark your calendars. We're going to be doing a very special uh, breakfast, okay? It's called an impartation breakfast, where we're going to share more about Great Harvest Ministry, Brazil, and all the missions God's called us to. But it's, it's a time where you guys are going to get impartation. You know what that is? Well, like, we're going to pray the Holy Spirit will land on you. That the vision that God sees, the heart that God has, will just be instilled in you, the fire. And so, without further ado, I'm going to let him take it from here. And uh, this is Brother Ryan, his beautiful wife, Isabella. She's Brazilian, by the way. And she just, they just got married, so you can praise God for that. And uh, yeah, I'll let him have at it. Amen. Thank you very much. I just want to first introduce Isabella. I'm going to ask her to pray and then I'll get straight, straight into it. Is that okay? So thank you. Thank you everybody for hosting us today. We're so happy to be here. And most, the, the most of everything, let's host the Holy Spirit here. And what a beautiful worship we had this morning already. So thank you Jesus for this precious church, for this precious house the house of God, the church of the living God, the church of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person that came here today. We invite you, Holy Spirit. 
we invite you to speak to us this morning. Open our eyes and open our ears. Father, let us hear your voice and let us see what you want us to see. Father, would you open every person's heart here to receive the gospel, to receive what you're here to speak to us. We worship you and we honor you. Let us see like you see, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you right now to hear your voice. Speak through Ryan with us and let everything that comes from his mouth come from you, Lord. Let him not speak anything that doesn't come from you. We worship you, Jesus, and we exalt your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I wanted to just thank you, first of all, Pastor Joe, and I wanted to thank you, everyone, for welcoming us here today. I want to truly honor you because without everyone who is here, we do not have a church, we do not have the body of Christ, we do not have people coming together in unity. But I'm sure you're curious as to who is this crazy Australian who has come over here to, to share this word today. So <clears throat> I wanted to first give you a little bit of testimony about my life, my story, and then I want to share with you a little bit about what God has planned for us going forward. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. And so my name is Ryan Fishburne. I grew up in Newcastle, Australia. And I grew up there in a Christian home in a, at a Baptist house, which didn't really were filled with the Spirit. They didn't really understand the Holy Spirit. They, they knew that He was there. They knew He was part of the, the Trinity. They understood that, that God was three in one, that they, they had this stuff. They loved worship. They loved the Word of God. But there was a, a dryness that was there. You see, in that place, I grew up and I knew that I loved God. And I grew up and I was raised right in the Lord. But you see, life began to happen. And we all know that we were all born into Adam. You see, I was born still in sin, but I grew up in the church. And here I was going to Sunday school, listening to the stories about Adam and Eve and about Noah and about all the animals that went onto the ark and about Gideon and about Samson. And I knew about Jesus and how he went to the cross. And I knew that he was meant to be my friend. And I loved Jesus growing up. And here I was raised in the church. My parents believed that they would sacrifice and send me to a, a private school to be able to be taught more in the, the Christian way because the public schooling system wasn't so favorable. And so they, they sacrificed to be able to send myself and my sister to, to private schooling. But who knows that you don't have to be an on-fire Christian to be part of a, a Christian school. You see, I grew up in this environment and my parents, in their sacrifice, both of them went back into the workforce and they, they were struggling to, to pay bills and they worked very, very hard. And so their patience began to wear thin. 
You see, and in the place of my schooling, I was raised again in the church and I knew that I was meant to love people and I was meant to care for people. And when I saw people being picked on or bullied, I would step in and interfere because I knew that that wasn't how people were supposed to be treated. And so what ended up happening was during my young years at school, I ended up becoming a big target was placed on my back because I'd be interfering with all those who were trying to pick on others. And very soon, the people that were getting picked on weren't getting picked on anymore because they were picking on me. And it very quickly became many people against me. And I went through this, this terrible time of where I was being bullied, where I went through school, and, and it was just, I couldn't go a day without coming home with new bruises and in tears. And it was just, it was torment in the schoolyard. No matter what I would do, I would be tormented. And when I got home, my parents were tired, they were upset, they were angry, and they didn't have any time for me. And if I happened to step out of line just a little bit, who of you know the, the saying that the straw breaks the camel's back? You see, my parents had run out of patience for me, and so home became not a safe place. I wasn't able to, to explain myself, and if anything ever happened, it was immediately, quickly straight to, to a physical punishment, to a beating. And so I was being beaten by bullies in the schoolyard, on the bus trips to and fro, and in the home. And I had nowhere that was safe. But I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew that I, as I grew up in the church, I had this one little spot where I could, I could praise and I could worship. But this, this thing didn't sink in wholeheartedly. You see, when I was around seven years old, I got cornered one day behind a, a schoolyard block. You see, it was out of supervision. No teachers could see. Nothing, no one knew what was happening. And I'd been cornered by eight other boys. And they started beating me up. But I want to tell you, I had a very unusual experience that day. Because it was like time stopped. And I saw this young boy come over to me wearing a, a hat that covered his face. In the middle of everything just had paused. And he asked me this question. Do you want protection? I was a young boy. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And so I said yes. And that very young boy jumped into my body. My vision went red. Time started. And I watched as my body was taken over. And I proceeded to hospitalize four young boys and severely hurt the other four. You see, this began a cycle of torment in my life. Don't get me wrong. I prayed. I worshipped. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. But this thing was now inside of me. And every time I felt unsafe, this thing would take over. It would feel like fits of rage, but I couldn't control my own body. 
I was just seeing red and I was like strapped into a roller coaster. And all I could do was watch. And sometimes I wouldn't even remember what would happen. I would just wake up. This began this, this crazy torment. You see, we read about these demons that have possessed people in the days of old. But let me tell you, it happened to me. And I was a, someone who called myself a Christian. I was someone that was raised in this amazing environment. And I even heard the voice of God. You see, as I continued to grow, I, I went on mission trips. I served on youth camps. I, I preached the gospel. I went to youth group. I eventually became a youth leader and a youth pastor. But my life was filled with torment. You see, I always had this voice in the back of my head saying, Ryan, no one loves you. No one cares for you. No one will miss you when you are gone. It drove me to suicide on multiple occasions. It drove me through self-harm. You see, I didn't want to be there. I knew that I loved God, but I didn't have any freedom. I didn't know what it was like to, to walk in freedom. And I was looking around me at the church that I was in. And I couldn't see Jesus anywhere. It broke my heart. Because I looked into the, the hearts of people. And I was like, where is Jesus? Because I don't have him in me. And I can't see him in anyone else. There are so many that are falling and stumbling in sin consistently. I see them in fits of rage and they might come to a church on a Sunday morning and wear a beautiful smile. I knew it. I learned it growing up. You see, my mother was great at doing this. Will you ever experience someone where you're in the middle of a, a heated argument and then the phone rings? And then all of a sudden when you pick up the phone, it was like, hello, how are you doing? All of a sudden, all smiles. Because everything needed to be hidden. The arguments, the pain, the torment, the suffering needed to be hidden. We had to have a face that we showed the world and then a face that we had in private. I learned this as a young boy growing up. And I could tell you, I saw through it. And I couldn't see Jesus in anyone I knew. It led to a point that one day, in the middle of a, a youth service that I was a youth pastor for, I manifested this demon. All of a sudden, I, I, I became unsafe to be around. And I knew it. I wrestled with all my might to get it under control so I wouldn't hurt the young people who were there meant to be in my care. I turned to my fellow leaders and I said, I can't be here anymore. And I walked out. That was, I left the church without a, a word. Didn't turn up the next Sunday. Didn't turn up at all. I just was gone. And no one gave me a phone call. No one came over. No one checked up on me. I just had gone and they had written me off. 
this was a church. And I was like, God, I love you, but your people suck. Right? There's all these people that I'm just like, your people suck. How am I supposed to love these people? And so I, I left the church and I, I continued to pray. And here I was, I, I'd gotten married and I was in a, in a not so great relationship. You see, I had married equally yoked. You know how the Bible says you need to marry equally yoked? You see, I married lukewarm because I was also lukewarm. <laughs> it's kind of funny that when you find someone that you're equally yoked with, you get married, but they're also no good for you because you're no good for yourself. Doing marriage without Jesus <laughs> is an impossible feat. You see, you need to have Jesus at the center of it all. And it was a couple of years into this thing that, that life was just falling apart around me. The devil was kicking you while you were down. That I had this crazy experience. You see, all of a sudden, I'd gone over to my parents' place one day because we'd just finished some renovations and, and this is when the big screen TVs were just coming out. They were new. My parents had just gotten this, this big TV and I wanted to go and watch a movie. And so I went around their house and I was all set up, ready to watch the movie. My wife was at work. I was working shift work, so it meant that I was working that night. I had nothing to do during the day, so I was just going to go relax. And so I went over and I got everything set up, ready to go. And then all of a sudden, a pain was in my chest. It was like I'd been running through with a knife. And I was face to face with Jesus at the gates of heaven. And who of you know that every single person here is going to be asked this same question? Give an account for your life. It's not, how are you going to get inside? It's not, where's your ticket to entry? It's to give an account for the reason you lived and the how you lived. And so here I was, face to face with Jesus. And I started telling him, Jesus, I've known you since I was a child. I was raised in the church. I went to Sunday school. I served in the worship team. I went on missions. I went on outreaches. I've seen many people saved for you. Jesus, Jesus, I was even a pastor. And do you know what happened next? Jesus looked me in the eyes and he said to me, Ryan, depart from me. I don't know you. You see, the word of God is clear. That many will cry out at the gates of heaven, Lord, Lord, I have done many things in your name. And I will turn to them on that day and say, depart from me, I do not know you. Here I was, 25 years old calling myself a Christian the entire time, not going to heaven. My vision went black. I started to fall. It felt like for an eternity, 
I could hear the sounds of screaming. I could hear the sounds of teeth grinding, of bones grinding, of torment. Fear gripped my soul because I knew what he had said was true. And I knew where I was going. The next minute, breath came back into my lungs. I woke up on the floor of my parents' home. And I was like, I need to know God. I can't just go about this thing calling myself a Christian. Because I need to know God. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, what is a Christian? You see, the, the believers, the disciples, they didn't start calling themselves Christians. It was the people in the public around them that looked upon the work that Jesus had done in their hearts and they said, man, they look like Christ. Can the public today look at you and say, you look like Jesus? This is the definition of a Christian. To look like Jesus. It's the transformation of your heart. And I knew that I needed to understand this. That I needed to know him. And so I, I started seeking. I went to many different churches, but I couldn't find Jesus in any one of them. It's crazy. There's so many people that would call themselves Christians. But I couldn't see Jesus. And I'm here looking for Jesus. Until one day I was at a friend's place and he invited me along to a, a little Pentecostal church. And there I, I heard another altar call message and I had responded to maybe a hundred of them before. And I raised my hand and I gave my life to Jesus yet again. And I knew that I needed to do it. Because I knew that I had problems in my heart. No matter how much I had called myself a Christian, I still had issues. And so I went up to the altar and I prayed and I I received the Lord again and I started serving in the church. But let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say just pray a prayer. Nothing changed. And so I went to the pastor seeking wisdom. I said, Pastor, I need to know God. Can you help me? And he said, sign up to my seminary. And I was like, can't do that. Jesus put it in my heart. I can't do that. I said, Pastor, how about this? Can I, can, I, can I get a group of people together and we just pray so we can seek his face? Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, set your heart on things above to look upon his face. And so I got permission from that pastor. He said, as long as everyone who comes to this little prayer group is serving in the church, I said, not a problem. And so we kept together. It was about six of us in a room. 
and we prayed. And I cried out. I said, God, we read here in the book of Acts that your fire came and they fell upon the the believers that were there. We saw the signs and wonders and miracles. God, your word says that signs and wonders follow those that believe. Where is the God of the Bible? I want to see it. And I cried out. And in that little room with the six of us, tongues of fire fell. And for the first time in my life, this bubbling came up from inside. And it overflowed from my mouth. Words came out that I did not recognize and and the room erupted. The Spirit of the Lord was present. We sung, Lord, bring revival. Bring it now. You see, when your heart is hungry, is thirsty, and calling out upon the Lord, it draws Him in. And in that space, the Spirit fell upon This little group of people got set on fire. And very quickly, six became over a hundred. And we were just meeting from house to house. And the pastor wasn't too happy about what was happening. Because all of a sudden, we had this massive gathering of people across over ten different churches. And across eight different denominations. And and the Holy Spirit was pouring out something special. And we're going to the streets, we're prophesying. We saw people getting healed. The Lord was moving. And the pastor comes to me one day and says, Ryan, I want you to submit this this group to, to this guy who's just graduated our seminary. I said, no problem. We came over. We started meeting at this guy's place. We had an A4 worksheet. This was last Sunday's sermon, fill in the blanks. I didn't realize that what the pastor was trying to do was squash what the Holy Spirit was doing. And we had this super dry Bible study. We get to the end and I turn to the guy who's now just been put in charge over me and I I say, hey, do you mind if we pray and worship? And he said, sure, I don't see any problem in that. And so we prayed and we worshiped and tongues of fire fell again. And the one who was sent to squash what we were doing, was set on fire. (laughs) Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how wet the wood is, when you throw it in an inferno, it burns. You see, this is revival. And so we started pressing in and the Spirit of the Lord turned up every time. It was incredible. But there was a problem. I still had problems in my heart. I still had problems in my marriage. I still had issues. I still had addictions. But now the Spirit was there and moving. So what had changed? And it was in one day in this meetings that in the midst of worship, I had an open vision. And Jesus came into the room and walked straight up to me and said, Ryan, You are suffering with unforgiveness in your heart. And prophetic people can get a little bit weird at times, and so here I am. 
I randomly pulled this book out of nowhere and I said, no, Jesus, see, I've forgiven all of these people. I had kept a record of every single person that had done me wrong. Of all of the things, the dates, the descriptions, the, the, the name of the person, I said, see, look, Jesus, I've crossed out the names and the descriptions of everything that they had done. God, can't you see? I have, I have gone through and I've forgiven all these people. That's not forgiveness. You see, Jesus looked at me and he said, Ryan, you can still read the names. I broke. I wept. He reached out his hand and I put this book in his hands. And I was there broken and weeping on the floor of this house. As Jesus read through my shame as he read the descriptions of everything that had happened to me like he didn't already know of all, all of the the people and he got to the end of this book and he closed it and he handed it to me and i took it back and i opened the book up and did you know what i saw it was pure white not a mark, not a scratch. It was completely clean. Do you know what happened that day? God even took my memories of the things that had occurred. You see, forgiveness is to really separate it. Further than the east is from the west. To cast it into the sea called forgetfulness. You see, this is what we are called to do, you see. We forgive others as Christ forgives us. And when He forgives us, He doesn't look at you and see your past anymore. He sees you as a brand new creation. That you are born again, completely fresh, completely new, completely whole. This is the price that He paid. And in that moment, I was set free. This demon manifested, it came out of me. And I could see this monstrous thing that looked like it filled the room. But it was still wearing the same hat and the same school uniform of that little boy that hopped into my body when I was seven years old. That day, pornography was broken off my life. Anger was broken off my life. Unforgiveness was broken off my life. Holding grudges against people was broken off my life. All of a sudden, I could look around me and I could see people the way Jesus saw them. And my heart was breaking for the lost. It was breaking for the brokenhearted. It was breaking for all those who called themselves Christians for years, but didn't know that they could walk in freedom. Because Jesus said that he came to set us free, that we may be free indeed. That it is true that, that there is a, a price that he paid, to, that we have a, a great thing awaiting for us when this body perishes, that we get to go and be with him. But that's not what he just paid for. He paid for that to be now. Not that you can go to heaven, but heaven can come to you. And you can manifest his kingdom wherever you are. The word of God says this, that it is not I that live, but 
Christ who lives in us. This is the truth. This is the truth about who we are. This is the truth that we come to proclaim. That it's not you. It's Jesus. And so when the world gets offended, when someone comes to you with an argument, and they come to you and address you, who are they talking to? Jesus. When you go and pray, who is the one who prays? It's Jesus. And when you lay your hands on the sick, who is the one who touches them? It's Jesus. We know that it's not by our strength or our might or our will that we do any of these things, but it is by the power of Jesus. It's belief. You need to believe that this is the truth. And this will transform your life. Because all of a sudden, if something comes out of your mouth and you can't picture it coming out of Jesus' mouth, it shouldn't be coming out of yours. Why? Because you have a new heart. You have a new mind. And Jesus is alive inside of you. This is the transformation that occurs personally in each and every person. It's the power of the gospel. You see, we believe that God intends the fullness of who he is to dwell within his people. And this is what brings transformation to regions. This is how you transform this church. It's how you transform West Palm. It's how you transform Florida. It's how you transform the United States of America. It is how you transform everywhere you go. You see, us as evangelists, we love to use a word when we get a huge crowd together and we preach the gospel. Who here knows what that word is? It's called crusade. Yes, crusade has been used for many different things over the years, but let me tell you, the original intention of crusade was that of war. It was a mission from God to go and take the land. You see, the vision that we have as this organization is to go together in unity with the body of Christ. Not just with churches, but with missionaries, with parachurch organizations, with all forms of non-profits, together, hand in hand, representing Jesus, and see nations changed through the fullness of the gospel. You see, the privilege of us as evangelists is, is we get to preach a message that we never get to graduate from. And it's an honor and a privilege to preach this message that I believe is God's favorite message. It's the gospel. It's the simple gospel of His Son. The greatest prophet of all was John the Baptist. Why? Because his whole life was designed to point to Jesus.
you see, the greatest of us all, the greatest responsibility is for us to be able to point to Jesus. To be able to, to love Jesus, to behold Jesus, to say to others, if you can't see Jesus, you can see him in me. Follow me until you can see Jesus and then you can follow Jesus too. It will transform your life. You will no longer have the fits of rage. You will no longer have these, these issues. You see, I had, I want to steal this quote. I had a subscription to a lifetime of issues. The blood of Jesus cancels that subscription. And he redeems everything. And he makes it new. It's so good, the, the power of the gospel. And so, what did Jesus give to us? You see, before he went to heaven, he gathered his disciples together. And he breathed upon them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. In that moment, the Holy Spirit would have come into their bodies and dwelt within them. You see, there's two ways the Holy Spirit works with a person. You see, it comes in you for you. And it comes upon you for others. In the Old Testament, many people had the Holy Spirit come upon them to save nations, to proclaim a powerful word, to prophesy what God was speaking, to shift the tides of battle. The Holy Spirit comes upon, but it comes within you because of what Jesus had done. You see, the fullness, though, isn't just the transformation inside. He said, go and wait. So the fire, the Holy Spirit would come upon you as well. So it's not just within you, but it's upon you. It is both. You need to have the indwelling transformation of heart that shifts who you are and upon you so that you can fulfill his call, his will. To fulfill the Great Commission. You see, this radical shift occurs, has evidence. Do you know what the evidence of the Holy Spirit is? Does anyone want to know? Anyone know? Yeah? You see, a tree bears fruit. We know that there's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Does anyone know it? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Self-control. You see, many of us in charismatic circles love to laugh. We love having a great time. We love the Holy Spirit coming upon us and, and we pray for people and, and joy births forth in a room. And, and yes, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's incredible. It's amazing. The, the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives. But just as easy as joy breaks forth, so does self-control. So does long-suffering. It manifests itself as fruit. To quote one of my, my favorite preachers, you see, if you squeeze an orange, 
what juice do you get? Orange juice. And never does an orange produce apple juice. And never produces apple juice. You see, when you squeeze a Christian, what should you get? Jesus. Why does so many people, when they get squeezed, produce everything else but Christ? When sickness comes against your body, you get miserable. When something happens and and someone else gets hurt or injured or you lose your job or you get kicked out of your house or you're about to be homeless on the street, why when you are squeezed, does everything else but Jesus come out? You see, the fruit is there and evident for those that are infilled. You see, what we're doing with the transformation of regions is we're wanting to see the fulfillment of this. You see, Christ gave us a specific gift. Some of you might not realize this, but he gave the body of Christ something called the fivefolds of ministry. Does anyone know? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. Right? The five folds of ministry is the gift of Christ to the church. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We're to work. And we're to be equipped. We're to be trained. We're to be raised up in every area of our lives so that we can bring Jesus to the workplace. Whether we are working in politics, media, as a pastor in the church, whatever you do to be trained and equipped in the fullness of who Jesus is. And this is what brings the transformation to a region. And so I want to slide into what we are are believing for the, what the vision of God had given us for, for this region of Brazil. And we believe that this is a model that can be taken and used everywhere in the world. You see, when we first got to Brazil, Brett had served there for many years. And he invited us, a bunch of crazy on fire people to come and, and to sow into the local people who were there to raise up young evangelists. And when we got there, my heart was burning. And Brett was there at the airport to pick me up. I'm there and I'm shaking. And the only thing that could come out of my mouth was crusade. Crusade. God's heavenly armies are here to take this city. This city is already under siege. We are at war. We are here to take this place. It has already been handed into our hands. We just need to take authority and seize it. And so we started raising up people and we we got the team together and we started praying and believing and, and we started seeking favor in the community reaching out to local pastors and leaders and, and gathering them into to rooms together to, to declare the word of the Lord that the harvest was ripe and that the harvest was ready to come in. And though that this place may seem dark and may be filled with trafficking and drugs and domestic violence and, and all manner of abuse, 
It's so bad here that yes, the very earth itself was shaking under the sin, the weight of sin in the land. There was floods, there was landslides, there was catastrophic things happening because the innocence, the innocent blood was crying out because of the weight of sin in that land. And so people began to come together and pray, declaring and believing for something that had never taken place ever before. A true unity in the body of Christ. Not a unity that's just let's come together for an event, but one where everyone is transformed into the very image of Christ himself that we may be one as he and the Father is one. This is Jesus' prayer. This is the transformation that occurs. And so we got together as a team and we continue to sow into this for years now. And Jesus began to show and reveal to us the way forward. He showed us a series of conferences to target each and every area of society. From the men, the women, the children, to politics, to business. Every area. And to bring the fullness of the fivefold, the gifts of Jesus, to each region. Each untouched area, whether it be in media or arts and entertainment. To see a true revival take place. You see, many of us today get discouraged with all kinds of things that happen around elections and politics and and border crises and all manner of stuff that's going on. But let me tell you, the way to change a nation is through the power of the blood of Jesus. You don't have to worry about who someone votes for if they've got Jesus in them. Because all of a sudden, your policies will have to align with the Word of God. You see people's hearts transform, you see nations transform. You got a problem with poverty, preach the gospel. And people all of a sudden will start to become generous. You got a problem with crime, preach the gospel. And then their brothers will love one another. You got a problem with with all of these issues with different rights for sin. Whoever gave a right to sin? Preach the gospel and people will repent and those issues will go. The power of the blood of Jesus is that of a transformational power that changes a man into the very image of Jesus. This is the truth about the power of the blood. And so I want to tell you and I want to invite you that we are going there to to announce, to declare, to proclaim what God has got in title and in store for the the region of Pernambuco, for the region of Hasifi, to the greater population there of over 6 million. 
You see, we are going there to proclaim the gospel on every street corner. But we are also going there to represent Jesus and to love as he loved. And so we are called to raise up an army of people to take us, to go with us. And so we are believing that before the end of this year, we will have over 100 people sign up and say, Yes, Lord, send me. Who will go? Send me. You don't have to be a mighty evangelist. You don't have to be a preacher. All you need, the only qualifying factor, is to have Jesus in you. And He does everything. And say, I will go. I will go to the ends of the earth. You see, we want to take an army of people looking like Jesus into a region and love them the way that Jesus loves them. You see, the love of God is an interesting thing. The world struggles to understand it. You see, the love of God is that you have breath in your lungs that you chop off your own hand that you may go to heaven. The love of God is that you would pluck out your own eyes that you wouldn't commit sin. (laughs) You see, many people don't understand that the love of God is the love of a father. You see, what father could see his son playing with a soccer ball in the front yard? And the ball rolls into the street and the boy runs out into the street. The father sees the car coming. The boy is focused on the ball. He says, I'm just having fun. I want to live my life the way I'm living. I'm enjoying it. But the father sees what's coming. And he cries out, Son, get off the road. The love of the father might sound like a loud voice booming. It might sound like a corrective hit across the backside. You know, as much as I grew up with all these issues, my parents knew how to discipline. And as a result, I grew up as a a person that had responsibility in their life. I didn't have entitlement. I knew what it was to experience appropriate discipline. You see, the love of the Father is that we would acknowledge our sin and acknowledge our need for a Savior. That we would cry out that He would transform our lives. This is the love of God. Is that you confront sin. The law is given. Paul would say this. I knew the law and knowing the law my transgressions increased my my level of sin increased but is the law evil no the law was there that we may know right from wrong but you see us in our own power our own strength were never able to choose what was right it was only 
through the strength and the transformational power of Jesus, who walked out the fullness of the law that would give us the power to say yes to what was right, that would be able to walk free from sin and a slave unto righteousness because we would know the right thing and have the capacity to choose it. This transforms people. This transforms you. This transforms nations. So I want to tell you today, there is an opportunity. If you have issues in your own life like I did, if you had problems with bursts of anger or these little thoughts that pester, that come into you, maybe you have a niggling thought in your back of your head saying that you aren't worth anything. Or that my friends and family hate me. They don't really care for me. They're just smiling. If you have these, these thoughts that come against you, or if you have illness in your body, that you, you can receive healing for that. But if you have these issues in your life today, I want to encourage you that the transformational power of the gospel can completely shift your life. How? How do we receive this transformational power? You see, first we have to acknowledge, confess with our tongue that Jesus Christ is in fact Lord, that He came born of a virgin, that He lived the perfect life, He died on the cross for our sins, and that He rose to life again. That He is alive today, and that he loves you. He knows every hair on your head. He formed you together in your mother's womb. He loves you wholly and completely. And he knows who you are. The second thing we have to do is we need to repent from sin. What is sin? For those that haven't studied Torah, that haven't gone through all 500 and something commandments, who wearing clothes of different cloth you know <laughs> there's all different kinds of interesting commandments but for anyone who has fallen short of the glory of god and that's everyone all it is is to be separated from god sin is anything that separates us from god from the small thing as lying to unforgiveness, to having anger in your heart towards your feathered brother, mother, father, son, daughter. Having these things in your heart separate you from God. And all you need to do to repent is to turn around. To turn away from that sin. To set your eyes upon Him who walked perfectly. You see, we heard today that John 1.1, 1, 1, the Word of God is God. And the Word became flesh. If you want to set your eyes upon He who is the Word, that of the man of Jesus, He can be found in that very Word. This is how you you transform your life. Paul would say it's the washing of the word. 
that would transform you. So set your eyes on these things above. This is how you resist the devil. You resist the devil by looking at Jesus. By saying, Jesus, I know that what came out of my mouth five minutes ago didn't look like you, but God transformed me. I repent, I turn to you, Lord. Let the things that come out of my mouth be the things that come out of yours. God, I need you. And so if you want that today, if you want the transformational power of Jesus to transform you and your community, I want you right now with eyes open because it says if you confess me before men, there is a price to pay. Jesus says count the cost. There's a price to pay. If you want to receive this, raise your hand right now. You see, and let's pray together and I want everyone to pray at once and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you lived the perfect life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose to life today. And that you are alive. And that you love me. Jesus. I repent from my sin. I turn and follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. Come inside of me. Jesus, it's not I that live. But you in me. Jesus, save me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new creation. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so I want to open it up just for a time of prayer. Just to seek the Lord. To listen to His voice. And so I don't know if Maddie has some music that he just wants to kind of play. But just to have a moment. To seek the transformation. Not by looking at a man in me. But by looking at the Son of Man Himself. Behold Jesus.
stay in a spirit of prayer. Just listen to the Lord, cry out to Him. It's just time for you to be together with God and to respond to what you what you've heard today or what He might be speaking to your heart. Yeah, just just let's stay in the spirit of worship. Jesus said those who worship the Father must do it in spirit and in truth. You know, Psalms, David said, God, you desire truth in the inner parts. You know, guys, don't... A message like this, man, don't leave this place. I know some of you guys. I don't got to throw anyone under the bus. God knows us. He knows me. He knows the sin I struggled with this week. He knows the, the things I'm carrying and the worries and the fears that I'm facing and the giants that I'm fighting. But, man, that message, <laughs> this, this man's life, his life is a message to the world that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real. And that blood that was shed, you know, when I was talking about that bar of soap, you know, why is there so many dirty people? Why is there so many people still walking around filthy and dirty and stinky? You guys, we have to take the blood and apply it. We have to take that blood and apply it to that unforgiveness that's in our souls. That bitterness that's only poisoning us. That bondage. You have to take that holy blood and apply it. Just like the, in Egypt, the children of Israel, they were given the redemption blood. They, they, the spirit of death was coming. The spirit of death, the word of God went forth that the spirit of death is coming. And there's one way, there's one way you'll be saved from this spirit of death. Do you guys understand? There's a spirit of death on this land. There's some infirmity upon your life. There's bondage maybe in your heart. Maybe you're watching online. But you got to take the blood that was shed. They said, Moses, God commanded Moses, kill a lamb. Take the blood. You can't just look at the blood. You can't just 
know that it's real and know that it was shed for you. You have to take the blood and apply it to your house. You see, you have to take the blood of Jesus and apply it to your heart right now, guys, in order to experience that, what, that which what was shed for you. The freedom, the healing, the deliverance, those things that he's talking about. I'm, I'm like thinking, man, I got memories, Lord, that need to be washed out of my mind. There's some of you manifest anger. You got past things that haunt you. Get free of that stuff right now. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. This is Freedom Church. I'm going to invite Ryan and Isabella, Pastor Joe. Guys, just come up here and pray and lay hands on people and, and let them receive. But guys, don't come. You know, don't just come and, oh, I'm going to say another prayer. Ryan prayed a hundred times, right, to receive salvation. But you have to come by faith that the blood of Jesus was enough. The blood of Jesus can take away the pain that I've gone through, can take away the past that I've been through, can take away my sin. So if you're going to come up for prayer, come in faith that the blood of Jesus was enough. It was sufficient, guys. Do you know why he said it is done? He said it is done because it was finished. There's nothing else needed for our total redemption, salvation, and freedom. Jesus paid it all. We sing these songs over and over. We've learned it in Sunday school a hundred times. We say we believe it, but do you really believe, church? Do you really believe in the blood that was shed? We take communion, but we're, we're, we're taking it in vain if we don't believe that the blood was sufficient for every sin. The sins that you committed, but the sins that were committed against you. If you want to be released from all those things, come up and allow the blood to be applied to your life fully. If you're watching online, you, don't, you can't come up. If you're here, just come up and receive prayer and this blood of the Lamb that was shed for you. But if you're online, don't, don't feel like you can't receive it either. The blood of Jesus is for you. And guys, this isn't, this isn't an altar call for salvation. I want to make it clear what I'm saying. This is an altar call for freedom. For freedom, okay? For believers who, like Ryan, grew up in church, know everything that there is to know, who, who heard it all a hundred times, who said a hun- ran to the altar a hundred times. But be free in spirit and in truth. And don't be ashamed, guys. Don't be ashamed. Whatever is inside, whatever you're struggling with, don't be ashamed. God already knows. He already knows. Let him kill your Goliaths for you. You see, Christ was the rock that struck uh, Goliath. It wasn't David that killed Goliath. You guys know that? It was the rock that he slung that killed Goliath. It was the rock of Christ that he slung that killed Goliath. So I'm going to go ahead and let, let us just pray and let's just receive from the Holy Spirit.
Yeah, I just felt one more word. I'm not going to try to, I don't want to disrupt anyone who's in prayer. Just keep praying. I really sense it's maybe for someone online. It may be for someone who watches this later or someone here. doesn't matter. I'm just going to release it. But I heard a word yesterday that really stuck with me. And you know, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear going on in the atmosphere, in our lives, in this nation right now even in the church and we know the scripture says that the spirit of God is not a fear right the spirit of God is not given by fear so anytime we're encountering fear that hinders us or fear that causes us you know the fear of the future fear of our financial situation fear of our family members whatever it is not getting saved or fear of us stepping out in faith to do something God's called us whatever time you feel that fear and it's hindering you that's of the devil it's very clear in scripture it's of the devil and this word that hit me yesterday was it's not faith that casts out fear it's not faith it's not strength it's not courage it's the God's perfect love casts out fear right and so we know the scripture says God's not given us a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind so I just pray right now the Spirit of God will come upon people that are struggling with fear right now, whether you're listening here or you're watching live. The Spirit of love. God is love. That the perfect love of God will cast out any fear that you're struggling with right now. The love of God. I pray the love of the Father right now over people's lives. That you will be filled with the love of God, that you will experience the love of God, that that love will cast out fear in Jesus' mighty name right now. I command fear to just go in Jesus' name. Worry, anxiety, depression, and fear go in Jesus' name right now.
we just bless you guys if you need to go uh the spirit's just moving people are getting touched and if you feel to stay stay if you need to go feel free everyone online god bless you guys we love you freedom church we're just receiving freedom right now and healing deliverance before you guys go please remember june 17th i just want to give one last reminder june 17th we're gonna have a special breakfast and um where is it gonna be yeah so we're gonna announce sorry guys real quick they're just praying for her ear just real quick can i have everyone's attention dad real sec one sec this is the last thing sorry i'm using the mic as much as i can today but June 17th, I just want to remind you guys and invite you guys to a very special breakfast we're going to have. The location, we're still locking in, long story short. We're going to share with Pastor Joe and kind of maybe announce it a week or two prior. But we're going to do a very special mission breakfast, impartation breakfast. A whole bunch of evangelists are coming down, guys. Danny Schrock from Amish country. We have Frankie Cortez coming down. He's a mighty man of God. Ryan and Isabella are going to be here. Sorry, let me get right back here. So the last announcement is on June 16th in West Palm Beach, in West Palm Beach, Florida, we're going to have a special breakfast. We're going to announce the time and place maybe next coming weeks, but just mark it in your calendar. Don't forget because we want everyone to come. Everyone's invited. There might be a small cost just for the meal and just for the attendance because we're going to rent a nice place. We're going to try to rent like a hotel banquet hall or something really special, okay? And we want to have a, all you guys come. You're all invited. If you can't afford to come, still reach out to us and come anyway. And again, over the next week or so, we'll, we'll give the information where it's going to be at with Pastor Joe. We'll announce that. But just mark it in your calendar Saturday, June 17th. And it's going to be a special time. Amen. And please come to Freedom Church next week. If you're local, please come physically to church. It's very important to be in fellowship. It's very important to be connected. You see how people are praying together? We need each other, guys. So if you're watching online and maybe a few people left, don't just watch online. If you're local, come to church. Come and be a part of what God's doing in present. Okay? God bless you guys. Love you.